Thank you for joining us. I am the Fro Daddy, and I'm grateful to have you here with us. Can I ask you a question? Are you someone who knows you can do more? Are you someone who wonders why some mystical chain of events brought you right here, right now? Are you someone who takes life almost too seriously? Are you someone who expected to be somewhere else by now? Someone who has plans to be something, whether you know what it is or not? Are you someone who isn't satisfied? Are you where you said you'd be three years ago? Then welcome. Welcome to a show where we educate, inspire, and build the life we intended to live. Welcome to your new place to call home. Welcome to where your identity, with the questions I just asked you, changes. Welcome to the Fro Daddy Chronicles. <laughs> if that didn't make you chuckle, then I hope you understand how difficult it must be to have my sense of humor. This is a show where we discuss topics that are centers of conversation in the circles you plan on being in. The information will come from industry leaders and experts in their field. We've built teams that have sold over $20 million worth of inventory in less than one year. We've been able to analyze $500 billion companies from the inside and learn their strategies. We've built portfolios to give our children the opportunities we didn't have. We protect our families from the inescapable risks of life and capitalism. We love our wives, and I wouldn't be the man I am today without my wife's love and support. I wouldn't be the man I am today without the responsibility I owe her and my daughter. I didn't always have her or a team around me. Well, I have always had a team around me, but they went just as fast as they came. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I had life's plan all figured out. Until I lost myself, because all I had was an ego that I thought was my identity. Which, for the record, was crushed much more easily than it was inflated. I worked hard on that bad boy, countless nights curling in the squat rack. Anything to avoid my engineering home. That loss was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But trust me, I did not know it at the time. We're going to talk about how you can look from the other side of your battles and appreciate the hard times. By the time we're done here, you'll know exactly where life is taking you because you'll be in control. No more taking the back seat. It's time to drive. And I'm right here with you. To give you an idea of how we're going to navigate these waters, it'll start with the foundation of knowledge and understanding. From there, we create our plan. Focus. We discover our passion foster relationships, new and old. This is the journey of self-development that leads to exactly where you want to go. We're going to begin with weekly meetings together. We'll see where it goes. Depends on what you need. And the best way for me to gauge that is to leave a review telling me what you'd like to gain from this new partnership we've made. You matter. It's time you start believing that. Unless you don't pass in the left lane, then f*** you. By this time you're probably saying, Fro Daddy, 
You're kind of dope. I gotta say, I wasn't expecting all this with a title like The Fro Daddy Chronicles, but I'm here for it. To which I say, Hell yeah, brother. Let me satiate your curiosity further of how we came to be sitting here with a story of small beginnings. The Chronicles of Fro Daddy. I come from a single mother household. My father left my mom when he found out she was pregnant. Then he came back around the age of two to give my mom hell and sue for full custody every chance he had. He ended up with every other weekend. She worried every time we said goodbye that it might be the last time I see her. My father struggled with controlling his emotions, namely anger. He often lashed out against anything and everything he could. I was blessed for him to bring four brothers into the world with me, two of which I grew up with in my limited visits as an otherwise only child with my mother. I'd like to think we're close now, but I still don't have the connection with him that I truly desire. I remember the last time he came to pick me up. He said the reason he was going to stop coming to get me was because gas was too expensive. I was 14. Even though it was really a relief to hear that, that stage of my life was over. It was a hell of a diminishing way to wrap it up. At the age of eight, my mother met her match. I approved. Still do. He stepped in for me and my mother as the man of the household. He'd protect us with his life at any instance. Our duty as men of the home. They married at ten and brought my first sibling on my mom's side to the world, along with two more over the following two years. A wonderful beginning to the separation of my belonging. A new family, one where I was yet again the outlier. Ever since my stepfather joined the family, he was a die-hard Steelers football fan. It instilled in me a desire to be someone that garnered that amount of attention. I wanted to be on TV. Professional sports was my path to that dream. I would lay in bed at night, praying to the Most High, Lord, when I make millions, I want to help starving kids in Africa. Lord, I don't need anything. Just help the others. I don't know when I lost that part of me, but you'll be happy to hear when I found it again. With professional sports at the pinnacle of my life, my freshman year of high school was the first year I was able to play teen sports. I begged my mother to put me in peewee football every chance I had. But throwing a football at basketball hoops and playing catch with friends would have to do. Being the center of attention I am, I tried out for quarterback. All those years of playing catch paid off, I guess. I sucked, but I was lucky enough to suck less than everyone else. <laughs> my sophomore year, I finally had some experience under my belt. I played three sports year-round, but I knew my duties were on the field as QB. After all, that was all I had. After my sophomore year, my mother invested in me and gave me opportunities to train with some throwing coaches. My technique was immaculate. I trained non-stop, throwing at my basketball hoop in front of the house and playing catch every day. Actually, I have to give a shout out here to my man, Phil. You'll meet him later again as the officiant to my wedding. The men had no business playing catch with me, but you best believe he'd be out there helping me get better. It's actually sad looking back on it all. The only thing I have to talk about really is sports. It was my entire existence. I had nothing else. It's not that I didn't have other things going on. I played in the marching band, 
I was building a legendary group of friends. It's just that nothing else really mattered to me but football. I'll make sure not to let others make that mistake. But it's like the Black Mamba said. I'm neither a player who plays to win or afraid to lose. I focus on what there is to learn. It removes the pressure from the outcome and allows me to be in the moment and focus on what's happening right now. I was so focused on an outcome that I hinged my entire identity on something only partially under my control, learning nothing from my mistakes other than work harder, lift more, eat more, run more. Into my junior year, turns out my coach had other plans for me. It's funny, the year before he told me I was too young to lead a team at QB, but then he put a sophomore QB as my team leader. Thank God for that. I moved to receiver and rededicated myself to a new craft. It didn't matter what position I played. I would work day and night to fulfill my duty as a teammate. Plus, QB should have the best hands on the field anyway. My senior year comes, two wins, seven losses. I committed the last four years of my life, countless nights of sprints, miles and miles, push-ups, route running, reading defenses, learning offensive schemes, watching hours of opponents' film, to be ridiculed and embarrassed by my classmates that I only sought validation from. Well, it paid off. I received an invitation to the Illinois All-Star football game and went on to win my third consecutive year of long and triple jump in my conference to go on to earn third and fifth place at the state level, respectively. It took some time, but I learned that hard work does, in fact, reap its rewards. I want to take a moment to talk about the Illinois All-Star football game. This was a pivotal moment in my character. It began as recognition for my ability, hard work, success. Everything was about how good it made me feel to post on social media that I was invited to play in this prestigious event. Little did I know, I was about to be humble to the core. The Shriners Hospital sponsors the All-Star football game. If you're like me, might be the first time you're hearing about this incredible group of people. Well, to jumble your memory, it's those awesome dudes always driving on two wheels and doing figure eights and go-karts on a parade. Let me tell you a little bit about what happens there. Thanks to people just like you and me, they receive donations to help children with severe disabilities. We're talking missing limbs, deformities, permanent wheelchair statuses, cancer. Each hospital has its own specialization. These are people that, as a lost parent with no hope and nothing but an intense desire to help your baby, will take your baby and fund entire procedures so you can see them smile. Now let me tell you what they did for us young men. They drove us out to the Chicago Shriners Hospital, where their specialty is orthopedics, spinal, and neuromuscular disorders. I walked into this building as a hotshot elite athlete that, in my egotistical one-track mind, is above almost everyone in my age group to see children who couldn't dream of opportunities that I have. I saw children playing wheelchair basketball, walking on crutches, hobbling through play places, 
with a bigger smile than I had ever worn. How can these children who have no access to what is my entire existence be so happy? I had decided this game isn't about me. It's about those kids. But don't take it from me. Take it from Caleb himself. Hi, I'm Caleb, and this is my story. I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta, or brittle bone disease. I have broken my bones almost 200 times, and I have had 11 surgeries. But I didn't let that stop me. I love to bike ride, climb, race, and I'm learning how to stand and walk. Well, I can only do all of this because of generous people like you and Shriners Hospitals for Children. Because of people like you, Shriners Hospitals for Children has helped more than 1.3 million kids just like me, regardless of their family's ability to pay. Shriners Hospitals for Children is only able to provide this world-class, life-changing medical care because of the generous gifts of people just like you. Because of you, I can ride my bike. I can play basketball. Because of people like you, I can run. I can smile. Will you send your love to the rescue today? When you go to loveshriners.org right now and give just 63 cents a day, you're helping kids just like me. Like me. Like me. When you give today, we'll send you this adorable Love to the Rescue Blanket as a thank you and a reminder of the love you gave to a kid just like me. Your gift, no matter how small, can help a child today. This is your moment to make a difference. When you pick up your phone, you know you have it right there and call to give. You're helping kids like me. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you. Please call or go online now. If operators are busy, please call again or give right away at loveshriners.org. Your gift makes a difference. Thank you for giving. After sending out my film to every school I could, I received one offer to play football at a Division II university, Missouri University of Science and Technology, one of the most prestigious and most difficult schools in the country. How perfect for a kid that has no other motive than to play football however he can. My mom and I sifted through their offerings like it mattered to me. I just wanted to play football and run track. We chose the degree that boasted the highest starting salary, petroleum engineering. I said I'd be driving a Lamborghini in seven years of graduating. Plan B was all about money and materialistic gain, fitting for an egotistical balloon such as my 17-year-old self. Football camp starts two weeks before classes start. Conditioning tests first. You either pass it or run it every day until you do. Two practices per day, 6 a.m. start time, meetings, film, weights in between meals. We usually end around 8 or 9 p.m. I was 160 pounds, surrounded by 200-pound grown men, beasts, monsters, animals. I pursued excellence, breathed excellence, sweat excellence, bled excellence. I earned myself a position on the field as a freshman. 
until I had a string of mental weakness. I ran a route incorrectly, and in a way that was impermissible. It was an option route where the option I took was not an option. Then I got the ball thrown to me, so the OC could see a clear as day, and believe me, that man had no chill. It was the best. He ate us up. They told me, why play now when you could take a year's of red shirt, get stronger, faster, smarter, play against first-team defense and practice every day, and come back next year new man? I don't know about you guys, but a free year? Yeah, sign me up. I'll do this forever if I can. Well, the entire coaching staff, after building an insanely successful program, got upgrades. They left us. I had to reprove everything to an entirely new group of coaches as a dual sport athlete. So when they took over in the spring, they're questioning my commitment as I attended two practices every day, two lifting sessions every day, meetings every day, track meets every Saturday, asking me, why do I even participate in track and field? I didn't really have an answer for it, to be honest. I wasn't sure why track and field had such a grip on me. But the way I saw it, I worked twice as hard as anyone else on that field, and I was going to keep it that way. I knew it would pay off. My coaches didn't agree. I didn't see a single down week one. As I watched my team, who was formerly 11th in the nation with the number two defense of mostly returners on D, get smoked by 40 points by some team I never heard of, I'm wondering to myself, man, If we're getting destroyed, I don't get on the field. Week two comes. It's a 40-point deficit before halftime. I don't see this field for a single down. I honestly can't believe it. I watch as Team 1's receiver gasps for breath, thinking I could run circles around this guy. But since he's from California, he's inherently better than me in my coach's eyes. How can I work this hard and get no recognition? Here comes the fourth quarter. We're down like 60, 70 points, and I finally get to start a drive. Thank God there's some point where I can see green on a Saturday. I get the ball, first play, on a hitch, six-yard gain, easy. Third down comes in my first drive in college football. I get the first down route. QB throws me into a defender on an under. And I get leveled. He broke my hand. I can still remember my hand being completely numb and not responding to my brain's demands as I just see the ball slipping from its grip. I'm <laughs> just like <laughs> sticking my hand underneath it as it's rolling off my chest. I've been down long enough for the play to be called dead, but that doesn't even cross my mind. I just move my broken hand under the ball to be sh- I have to be sure we get that first down. Oh, yeah. You know I caught it. Redshirt freshman season is over. My mind shifts to track and field. My hand may be broken, but I can still get in my agility and speed training at a high level every single day. I remember showing up to my first practice with my cast. The other's intensity just was not impressing me. They could do better. I gave them my condescending words of encouragement, the best way my football life had taught me how. One of the athletes snaps back at me. Who do you think you are? You just show up and you think you can call us out? I didn't respond. 
I realized how soft he must be to be upset at me for his lack of intensity and not himself. What a shame. He'll never be great. In his defense, I'm sure he didn't know I was a dual sport athlete. Probably thought I was some half-invested nobody since I would just come and go at my leisure as far as he saw it. Little did he know, I'm going to football practices at 6 a.m., meetings at 10 a.m., track practices at 2 a.m., weights at 4 p.m. I usually go hit another weight session around 8 or 9 p.m. just to avoid doing my two to four hours of daily engineering homework. If you're wondering where I found the time, I didn't. My third year approaches. I spent the summer grinding one to three workouts a day. I would work out so much that I had a scheduled nap in between my workouts so my central nervous system wouldn't completely give up on me. Still small, though. Weighed around 165 to 172 as I continued to grow throughout the fall season. The coaches made me a special teams player. Still would never see a down on offense. Played behind the same Cali boys last year. Luckily for me, special teams is some of the most fun you can have on a football field. Kickoff? That's for the thugs. And the G's. Even in practice, I would make a point to be the first one down the field. Others just went through the motions. I was proving myself. I thought, if I outwork everyone, they can't deny me my rightful place as the most influential player I can be for this team. I was the fastest on the field, and it showed. All those sprinting drills translated wonderfully. I'd literally run circles around blockers. They could not take an angle on me if their life depended on it. I would, I would end up just playing games with them. You can, you can always tell who's supposed to block you on kickoff. You just see them making eye contact with you. Man, I miss that. After the season's over, I saw maybe three offensive plays all year. After the commitment and dedication I've shown, the intensity I brought to every single rep in practice or in the games, I started to lose that fire that pushed me to continue that level of effort. I lost faith that it would pay off or be recognized. I shifted my focus to track and field, where it's just you versus you. If you have a slot to complete, you could set a record. Every single time you compete is an opportunity to leave a legacy. Nobody can stop you but your own performance. And it finally started coming together. I stopped going to spring football practice because it wasn't going to get me gold medals. And frankly, my body just couldn't handle it anymore. They also moved practices from 6 a.m. to the afternoon, so it was almost impossible for me to juggle them both. I could have, but I just lost the desire. I began to hate the very thing I built my life around because of one person. That year, I went on to earn first place in long and triple jump the conference meet for my university, later earning team MVP for earning the most, the most points at the meet to win the championship with my team for the second consecutive year. You see, this team, we won, unlike the football team. As we approach my fourth year at ST, we have our end-of-year meetings with the football coaches. I was told, if I continue running track, I would never get better at football. He might as well give my scholarship to a freshman. This broke me. I replied, Coach, did you know that I was recognized as the 
best horizontal jumper in our conference? I didn't have that status last year, so something must be working. I would think that getting faster and jumping farther would be exactly what you want to hear your athletes are doing in the offseason. Winning championships and earning awards in the process. His face? Careless. Lips pursed, offering me a... None of that translates to you being a better football player. I was speechless. I broke into tears with the realization that he truly believed what he had just said. I wept as I accepted the fact that I couldn't continue to play football for that man. I wept as I accepted the fact that I had to give up everything I had worked for. Everything I had built. I replied through my tears, If that's truly what you believe, then I can't play for you anymore. And I left. I went straight to my track and field head coach, told him the news. He paused. You see, track teams are twice the size of a football team with less funding. No matter how much I loved being an athlete, couldn't afford to lose my entire scholarship. And they didn't have money at the drop of a hat to replace what I had. But this was his team MVP. He'd make some magic happen. I took what I could get. Whatever kept me on the trajectory we were on, I had my sights on breaking records and competing at nationals. After shifting to being a single sport athlete, my schedule opened up. After years of dancing around my coursework, I was finally taking high-level engineering courses. Instead of learning math, I was applying it to rock medias via matrices to quantify the media and using calculus to manipulate in space-time. In English, looking at stuff in different situations to determine how and when it fails. I even snuck in a graduate course with my favorite professor. Without him, I wouldn't have made it as far as I did. I'll tell you guys a secret. I skipped all of my math and physics classes after failing calculus twice because I didn't dedicate the hours to the coursework. Calculus is one of those classes that gives you about two hours of homework every night because you do homework on your next lesson, so you teach yourself the new concept, and then turn it in to be graded on it, and then you learn if everything you did was right or wrong. It was a common theme in our coursework at ST, but in my first few years playing two sports, I made absolutely no time to do that. Sleep and my extra gym session were just far too important. I mean, you guys couldn't imagine the hit my confidence would take if I wasn't the most ripped person I knew. Just another way to tell myself I was working to be the best. The thing is, even though I would skip the prerequisite classes, my professors knew me because I was involved. It was a small department. Everybody knew or at least had seen everybody. So I would just show up to the classes I wanted to take and have the professors sign a piece of paper that admitted me into the course, turn it into my advisor, and just like that, I'm taking graduate-level courses and upper-level engineering courses because my professors will let me take the class. What's crazy is I crushed those classes. They were fun, applicable. I was literally learning how to use the math to predict the future with multiple variables. I mean, if that doesn't sound awesome to you, then what does? This is what people who are shaping our world are capable of. Wake up. So, 
Now that I can use sonic testing or radiation testing or electrical impulse testing to analyze a core sample drilled out of a rock thousands of feet underground to project a failure rate of a massive body of it given a dynamic range of forces to extract liquid gold, back to being a triple jumper. Matter of fact, back to being a triple jump legend. I broke the 28-year-old university school record that year, then again the next year to finish my career. Won some more championships along the way. Never reached my personal goal being an All-American. But I was top 30 in the country. And I never hit the jump I worked for. But you know what's really sad? The fact that now, years later, none of that matters. It affords me nothing. It opens the doors to nothing. It means nothing. I've sat in interviews and when asked, why you? My self-discipline and commitment to excellence just doesn't resonate with corporate people. The people sitting on the other side of that table are prepared to wake up the next 7,000 days of their career on the same ladder they started on and be damn happy about it. They don't care that I'm the type of guy to spend every second of my free time on my dreams and passions. They didn't care that I had the X factor. They couldn't even smell if they stepped in it. So what, Fro Daddy? You telling me that this is how it ends? Are you telling me that after all of this, you're playing the victim? Are you really saying that all that means nothing? Now, Fro Daddy ain't saying that, baby. Fro Daddy's gonna show you how X marks the spot, baby. Now, baby, we all gotta start somewhere. For me, it was dropping out of college, going on food stamps, until getting a part-time job, and landing my first engineering gig as a student. <laughs> that brought me out of the pit that I didn't notice I had dug myself into. Now, I knew I wanted to be a business owner, but the only outlets I saw towards that path required a cost of entry that I either didn't have or was not ready to commit to risking. So I asked myself, if I want to be a business owner, what skills do I need that I can monetize in the process of developing? Sales. After bouncing around the country, working engineering gigs, coaching, teaching, overstaying welcomes with people that I am still blessed to this day to have in my life, I found my first sales gig that I could fake being a college grad with. Probably had something to do with them getting hit with a class action lawsuit for paying below the minimum for the amount of time required to work the job. What I mean by that is the pay left more to be desired. I don't know if I ever got that payout from that lawsuit either. Oh. Well, it was the perfect opportunity for me. Nothing but hustle. I started with a team of other beginners, a friendly competition, if you will. They were not ready to see what I brought to the table. I remember seeing their expressions as they saw what I was doing to be successful. They even said it to me that they won't succeed because they can't see themselves doing what I was doing. Sometimes I would stay late or do extra just to do more than they would. I was making 200 plus calls a day, sending hundreds of emails. I had a hunger, a fire. I failed. Transitioned back to coaching. Found a steady gig for a local high school where I could transform a program while I become a certified personal trainer. And then COVID shut it all down. Moved in with my stepmom. That's right. She had left my dad back when I first got into college. She was doing great. 
She welcomed me with open arms, a godsend, as to be expected from someone like us. When you have a higher calling, you will struggle and God will provide. Always. I dove into researching for the millionth time how I would build a business and invest, and this time I was putting action into it. I made a few small investments, which we can get into in later episodes. Meanwhile, I found a gig working for a small startup nearby. The perfect opportunity to see how a pro operates from the inside, building a business. I brought my same level of intensity with me that built my previous successes. It was all I had. I didn't have any experiences to set me apart, only grit. The owner quickly noticed in me the X factor. You don't see it often, and when you employ someone with it, you learn what makes them tick and make it work for you. That's your duty as their leader. He's now one of my partners in multiple projects, including this podcast. I can't tell you guys how invaluable this guy is to me. I mean, he's a guy that'll take a phone call from me at 8.30 at night when I'm telling him my real estate investment's going south. You know, I might need to talk to an attorney. Who do you know? I mean, this guy's a mentor and a half for me. Um, Definitely want to go check him out. He's over at imbforb.com. Aaron Duncan, my man. After being so fortunate to have worked with him and earning a real title on my resume, National Sales Director. I looked internally yet again. Now that we've learned more about sales and management, what else do we need to learn? Money. How can I monetize the development of my knowledge around money? Get involved in the industry. I found an opportunity to be a wealth manager for a $500 billion company that effectively teaches you how to build successful financial plans for families. Only catch is you're basically starting your own financial practice under their guidance. Which is great because I'm thinking, you know, I want to be a business owner. Uh, But like I said, the catch is the only leads you start with are those in your phone book. While my young phone book was not conducive to building a financial practice, but rather full of people afraid to even look at their finances, much less accept a future that involved budgeting and planning, This motivated me to begin working on this podcast. I want to demystify finance and create communities that are knowledgeable without the sadness of people rejecting the opportunity to learn because they think I want to sell them something. We learned learned everything we possibly could from that institution. Surrounded by people managing hundreds of millions and even billions of assets at a time, I was able to see how they structure their finances, how they coach smaller accounts, into the safest path of growing their wealth. I was able to look over hundreds of different financial trajectories and determinations of what's next with seasoned professionals. I know so many strategies and foundational applications that aren't sexy enough to be on YouTube that you wouldn't even know it's common practice at the highest levels of wealth management. I'm here to tell you what options are out there and why there are multiple. Different strategies fit different situations. If you understand what they are and how to leverage them, then you're able to decide what is best for your situation. I'll be talking a lot more about these topics as well as bringing on experts in specific fields to reinforce the concepts and allow you to be able to hear from a professional with no pressure to do anything but become a better version of yourself. Some of my guests will even commit to scheduling a personal meeting with you 
and taking a deep dive into your personal situation to give you their take. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. After my time in finance, I received the blessing of a hundred lifetimes. I met my amazing wife. Thanks to my wife, I was able to change my life forever financially. I'll save our story for another episode, all on its own someday, as a bonus. It's juicy. Very juicy. I joined a wholesale distribution company that was just starting its first sales force. The industry was special. It was good to me. It was an industry where I could be me with the values of honesty and integrity. I would even tell people not to buy things from me if I really didn't think it was right for their business. I had built such rapport, my vendors would call me to consult with decision making in their businesses. After all, I have the top-down view, speaking with people in their position dozens of times a day. Who better than that to ask than the guy who will tell you exactly what he sees, what he interprets it to mean, and how it applies to your specific situation. These relationships allowed me to build a book of business selling over $4 million in my first 10 months with the company. Numbers I had never seen before. They promoted me to developing their sales force further where my team sold $20 million in a span of one year. I'm speaking with business owners daily about what makes their businesses successful. And I'm a supplier to their success. I viewed it as a partnership where I can take ownership in their success. They've shown me appreciation and recognition that I will always cherish. Sending gifts to my newborn baby, flying me out of state, going out to party it up, True friendships built on good business. I'm now responsible for purchasing inventory for a massive online retailer that grosses hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And now you see where this comes full circle. Where did it all begin? How can I monetize the process of learning to be a business owner? After generating the capital, We've been able to launch several projects over the last years. We're going to use those along with countless other tools and information to educate you on the different concepts and strategies that will bring you closer to the life you plan to live. You wouldn't believe how quickly things can change. I'm glad you joined us. Welcome again to the rest of your life. Accompanied by the Fro Daddy.